Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. How well would your workplace function if more than 9% of positions were vacant? San Francisco's civil servants are facing that level of staffing crisis citywide. That includes people like nurses, construction workers, homeless services providers, and dispatchers. In some kinds of jobs, the vacancy rate is three times as high. The money is in the budget, but the jobs aren't filled, which stretches workers to their limit and leaves work piling up. For the city to work, you need city workers. That was the catchphrase of a union campaign this spring. Months later, labor agreements have been reached that make some improvements, but about 4,800 permanent positions are still unfilled. The city would need to hire 10,000 people to get its staffing back up to pre-pandemic levels. And everyone agrees that staffing shortage has serious consequences for residents. From the city's director of human resources... As an employer, we know that the needs are out there. They're evident just walking the streets between my office and this building. And so we really don't have that luxury of time. To labor leaders... If you don't have enough nurses to staff the floor, you know, there's nowhere for you to go. To workers, like this 911 dispatcher. I think it's to the detriment of the citizen. I mean, if you get the wrong person that's really tired and not really paying attention, they can make a slight mistake that can delay service to you. Everyone we spoke to agrees this is a problem that needs to be resolved fast. I'm Laura Wenis. This week, we'll talk about the city worker shortage and what has to change to fill the ranks of civil servants. From the San Francisco Chronicle's SF Next project, this is Fixing Our City. Bert Wilson gets up at 4 a.m. for his shift at the 911 dispatch center. He can afford to sleep in till then because he's got a short commute since he still lives in the city. Many of his co-workers don't. Then it's calls, calls, calls until 5 p.m., a 12-hour shift home for dinner, and spending some time with his wife and son before he hits the hay at hopefully 9.30 to be up again at 4. He's done this work almost 15 years. I asked him if it's always been this way. It goes in waves. It's an up and down kind of thing, cycle. And right now we're at the low shortage cycle. I think I have a Retired dispatcher that started in the 60s. I think he did like 38 years there. He said, Bert, I think there was like the summer of 1970 that we were fully staffed. <laughs> and that's the last time he's ever heard. The Department of Emergency Management says there is no full staffing number, but up until last October, the city had between 148 and 155 fully trained dispatchers. Right now, there are 124, with 13 in training. They attribute the current staffing shortage to retirements, resignations, and people getting let go because they won't get vaccinated. On top of that, absentee rates spike with COVID surges. This week, the Department of Human Resources presented an update on the hiring problem to the Civil Services Commission, which regulates city employment. One of their findings? Citywide vacancy rates have more than quadrupled from before the pandemic. These times of shortage mean mandatory overtime and long shifts. 
Wilson, the dispatcher, says people sign up for 12-hour shifts because they know if they don't, the mandatory overtime will just be assigned to them for more unpredictable hours. I mean, you start this this job, you're looking at not having weekends for at least three, three to four years. You probably won't be surprised to learn that a lot of people who do this work do it because they feel called to public service. But it takes a toll. I'm committed. So I've been doing this for the last 14 years. I'm committed to finish it out. I think a lot of the dispatchers, they love what they do and they care about the citizens of San Francisco. Yeah. I mean, it's a job that you want to do. It's brutal hours. It's very little time off. And you have to be very focused most, if not 100% of the time. This is life and death. I mean, there's people that are calling depending that you get the correct information to get an officer or a fireman or a paramedic at that location as fast as possible. Can you do that when you're working these hours? I mean, like, isn't it kind of hard to keep up when you have to do this all the time? At some point, it becomes to be, you know, very, very stressful on your system. You know, and I, I see a lot of dispatchers just burning out and they just move on or they make mistakes. A spokesperson who didn't want to be identified for the Department of Emergency Management said in a statement that an additional 30 trainees are authorized this fiscal year. And a new recruiter is starting to fill the spots with committed candidates. The statement also says the city's elected leaders have funded additional dispatch academies and recruiting efforts, though we didn't get details about what those might be. It's not just 911 dispatchers. Kim Tavaloni, executive director of the San Francisco Labor Council, doesn't have to think long before she can come up with a whole list of what goes wrong when city departments are short-staffed. People are overwhelmed. <sighs> well, healthcare is pretty simple. You know, if you don't have the folks, you're just not going to get an appointment. Sure. And then there's like the accountants in the assessor's office. They can only do so many audits per person and collect tax revenue. Then we're going to have other issues and we can't pay for the potholes. We can't pay for this. Can't pay for street signage. All that stuff that we really depend on the city for. That's ridiculous. The laborers not being able to clean the streets, pressure wash the way they want to. We don't have enough bus drivers. We're still not up to pre-pandemic levels. You know, we've heard about shortages in the jails, all sorts of, you know, every department has its own horror story. I've heard time and time again, for instance, like the cement truck drivers were like, we don't even care about a raise. We just need help. I brought this up to Carol Eisen, head of the Department of Human Resources. Is that also what you're hearing? Yes, everywhere I go, all over the city, please. We need some relief. I think employees felt good about the labor agreements that we entered into. And in several instances, we made guarantees about more employment. And now we have to follow through on those guarantees. We have to provide that relief by bringing in more resources. It's enshrined in our budget. And now it has to be the people coming in and being able to get out there in a very competitive labor market and find our candidates and get them in here. This in my mind, is my number one job in this fiscal year to contribute to our recovery. Eisen doesn't beat around the bush. It takes too long to hire workers, and that's for bureaucratic reasons, enshrined in the city charter. In our attempts to really safeguard the principles of merit and accessibility, 
we've created too much complexity and have made it too difficult for ourselves. We've self-imposed too many constraints. The city and county is the second biggest employer in San Francisco, trailing, just barely, UCSF. It's got some 35,000 people working in various city functions. But getting into the city is harder than it should be, and that's where we want to start. Tell me more about that. Why is it? Why is getting in harder than it should be? We are a civil service system. Its origins date back to the progressive era and the first charter governing the city that was adopted in the 1930s, I believe, or the 20s. And it defined an employment system that would be separate and apart from politics and elected officials. So that is the underpinning of our system. It is hardwired into our charter, which is our essentially our governing documents for employment. It has two principles. One is that people who work for the city can demonstrate merit and fitness for the work to which they are being hired. And the second is that we have competition so that anybody, any candidate who meets our minimum qualifications can compete fairly and evenly with all other candidates for those jobs. So following those two principles, we have designed a set of rules. Those rules exist in four large volumes. You would have to carry a hand truck around to take them with you at any given time. And they dictate all essentially most of the administrative processes that it takes to identify and hire individuals into city government. Those rules cover a lot of minute details. How long a job has to be posted and other timeframes for specific steps of a hiring process. Those were originally based on how long it takes for the postal service to deliver mail, which seems irrelevant in the digital age. The rules also govern how candidates can demonstrate merit and how they can be selected. For example, when applicants take an exam testing their fitness for a given job, the city can't just pick the top 15% and hire those people. They all have to be ranked. If I have a room full of 100 people and I have to decide who's number one and who's number 100 and everybody in between, the tools that we use to make those assessments are quite detailed require a lot of development and a lot of time in the administration and in the scoring and the ranking. If it takes so long and everyone's frustrated, why not just get that handcart Eisen mentioned you'd need to transport the four-volume rulebook and jettison the whole thing? For one, it's in the city charter. For another, the rules are there to ensure fairness. As the Labor Council's Kim Tavaloni says, It's hard, right? Because the civil service rules were created so that Department heads didn't hire their entire family, right? It's about hiring the best, the brightest. You know, but it really takes a commitment from the department heads. And the department heads are only beholden to the mayor. Carol Eisen from the Human Resources Department says there's concern that if the selection process isn't tightly controlled, the employer has too much ability to hire whoever they want. In the public sector, we place real emphasis on the ability of every applicant to have the same fair shot at a promotion as anyone else. So we'll probably need ultimately to have pretty strong audit programs. Tavaloni, for her part, acknowledges the city has cut down the time it takes to evaluate a candidate substantially, though she says it could still improve. Eisen, from the Department of Human Resources, says it can take nine or ten months to fill a position. 
It can take even longer if there are internal candidates. Partly that's because internal candidates rely on the city's lengthy process to make sure the selection is fair. Any decision that I make administratively in the administration of the exam program, virtually all of the decisions are appealable by any candidate or any potential candidate to the Civil Service Commission. And those appeals can also create bottlenecks in the process. So hmm. how often does that happen? Routinely at oh. every Civil Service Commission meeting. Oh, okay. uh, and there were years in, in the police and fire departments where every exam was challenged and litigated for a lot of good reasons. We were under consent decrees, our whole exam program. So things have been changing. What's different now after a break? Everyone seems to agree the city and county of San Francisco needs to hire, and fast. Already, the promotions process has changed. Instead of a homebrew system, the city is now using exams written by national companies that create tests for many different agencies. Carol Eisen, director of the city's Department of Human Resources, says so far they're working. Generally speaking, we've made, in the last few years, investments in new technology as an underpinning to bring our employment into a modern era. And that new technology is going to allow us to do the same thing that a lot of modern employers do to provide an on-demand, online ability for a candidate to show that they are meritorious for the work and to make it possible to hire them quickly. There's also a new website where someone interested in working in the public sector can throw their hat in the ring. Careers.sf.gov. We are hoping that our applicants, once they visit that website and as we build it out and working with our new so-called applicant tracker system that we can make the process of applying for a city job straightforward, relatively simple, online, on demand, so that applicants can have a common and good experience interacting with the government and know what to expect if they're looking for city work. I think that will help. Some tests have also moved online, so crowds of interested people don't have to sit in the same room. Eisen says she and the city's controller and city administrator are reviewing hiring, contracting, and financing practices to make sure the city doesn't trip itself up on the way to recovery with a sluggish process. Bert Wilson, the 911 dispatcher, knows his way around emergencies and noticed that certain emergencies got people hired awfully fast. The pandemic response and the Tenderloin Linkage Center. They opened the Moscone Center within a week, mm. fully staffed, mm -hmm. to solve the the COVID problem of transporting, not contaminating the city, transporting patients. And then when they had to do the vaccinations, they had it up and running. Mm -hmm. When the mayor wanted to do the linkage center, a Tenderloin linkage center, mm -hmm. that was put up in like less than 30 days. It was closer to three weeks for the Moscone Emergency Response Hub and just about two for the Tenderloin linkage center, but still, fast. So does he want an emergency declaration for this too? I mean, to me, 911 is an important, vital part of San Francisco. I mean, if that, if that has to be the case to do the emergency declaration, maybe that's a case. But I think there should be more effort in regarding to figure out how to recruit and get people through faster. I asked Carol Eisen, the city's human resources director, about these emergency declarations. She says they didn't just declare an emergency on paper. They came with supplemental resources. And also, they've been winding down. 
So the city has decisions to make about the people it hired on the fly. We have found ourselves with a sort of a small army of people who were hired and by virtue of their performance have done extremely well, have not been released or let go, and who are would like to dig in and become city employees for the long term and make their careers here. The mayor, in one of her final supplements to her emergency order, gave the human resources director, myself, the authority to come up with quicker examination tools to allow those employees that we hired during the pandemic and leading up into the pandemic to transition into permanent civil service employment. So we're working on that now. Could I get you to put a bit of a finer point on that? Yes. Why not just use that process all the time? Well, we have, again, 35,000 employees, many of whom seek to compete for promotive opportunities within the city and enshrined in our civil service rules. We have to have some basic process and rules in place to allow all qualified applicants who wish to compete for jobs to be able to do so. By definition, that takes time. I do not have the authority, except in limited circumstances, to identify a person that I wish to hire and just hire them. I have to make sure that other people who I may not know have the opportunity to say they want to compete as well. That takes time. The question is, how much time and how long are we going to let this go on? Do we need to interview 2,000 people for 10 jobs? Is it okay to interview 200 people? How do we make those determinations? After 40 years of working closely in this system, I have come to the view that we have so enshrined the protections into the system that we have made it too difficult to hire and to promote. And so it has caused the upswing in various end runs around those rules. Still, there's only so much that can be done with process. Probably the top of the list, the old adage that money talks. We signed our new labor agreements that provides for good wage increases, better than employees have seen in a number of years, trying to keep up with the inflationary pressures and also trying to keep our salaries competitive in relation to the rest of the labor market. So we did that. Is it perfect? No. Does it go a long way to help? I believe it does. In a city with a cost of living like San Francisco's, that could be a major factor. As Kim Tavaloni with the Labor Council points out, even wages that sound good on paper don't cut it here for families. We have hotel workers who are renting one bedroom for an entire family. We have all those types of issues. And, you know, a housekeeper pre-pandemic was making roughly $25 an hour, you know, more or less. You would say, oh, that's pretty good. But when you figure out what the housing costs are, not so good. My colleague Adriana Rizal, the SF Next team's data reporter, is diving into the numbers this week to see where city workers live. Less than half of the city's employees actually live in San Francisco. This varies a lot by department. 60% of librarians are San Francisco residents, compared with less than a quarter of police staff. Workers are being pushed further and further out. 
We have more and more super commuters from Modesto coming into the city, Sacramento, you know, all areas. And they're not living here. They're spending four or five hours a day commuting to San Francisco. Not good for the environment, not good for the city. But the fact is, there are no more workers living in San Francisco. You know, this has become the playground of the rich and shameless. You know, you can find a minimum wage job in Sacramento or in Modesto and do okay out there. And as with police officers, we looked at police hiring specifically in our September 6th episode, those other cities where people might want to live are also hiring. Carol Eisen from the Human Resources Department knows that. We're not alone. Every public agency and really every large employer is struggling with finding people, finding good people and qualified people to come and perform their work. The Department of Human Resources doesn't necessarily have a plan in place to poach civil servants from other cities, but does say its pay and benefits make it competitive. Union organizers have told me the city has agreed to create new workforce development programs. There's also agreement to work together on reforming the civil service rules to speed up hiring and prioritize temporary workers for permanent jobs. Right now, the median time to fill a position is 255 days. In general, the Department of Human Resources is trying to roll out the red carpet, especially for young people interested in civil service. A lot of people are retiring. The pandemic accelerated this with many of our retirement eligible employees rethinking their futures after working for the city. So I think we have to make it our business to really identify, recruit, and promote a new generation of employees into the city who will take the reins of public service and become our next generation workforce. Kim Tavaloni, head of the Labor Council, also made an appeal. So if anybody's looking for a job, please look at the job listings. <laughs> Apply. Well, why should I work for the city? <laughs> We're just talking about compensation, how long it takes. Uh-huh. Well, I most, <laughs> most of the unions have settled their contracts this year, though the staffing issue continues and they're going to continue to try to work with the city, fight with the city, depending Hopefully, they're getting decent raises. And I think a lot of the adjustments that needed to be made have been made. You know, and with the city, one of the few jobs that still has a good pension, and the city has a strong pension fund, health care, things like that. So that would be my pitch to apply for the city. There is interest. Carol Eisen from Human Resources says there have been more than 140,000 applications in the last year alone. The recruitment team is at job fairs and working with departments that have the worst shortages to make some headway. So we are hoping that at the end of this calendar year that we can report some real success in moving forward in converting our existing temporary employees into permanent employment, in promulgating long standing desired promotions and in opening up the city and all of its vacancies to applicants and get our jobs and get our jobs quickly. And with 4,800 positions to fill, those new employees are sorely needed so that the city can get back to work. 
Fixing Our City is part of the San Francisco Chronicle's SF Next project, where we explore how the city will chart its future and address its biggest challenges. And we want to check out your ideas. Do you have a solution that you want the city to pursue? Do you know someone who's making a difference on an important issue? Send an email to sfnext at sfchronicle.com. You can also DM us on Twitter. We're at sfnext. I'm Laura Wenis. Next time on Fixing Our City, what happens when residents get together to try to solve San Francisco's problems? We'll report back from a Chronicle Solutions Conference. See you next week. Cynthia Lopez produces and reports for Fixing Our City. Gary Baca is our sound engineer. King Kaufman is the executive producer. Jonathan Krim is the SF Next project editor. Fixing Our City is part of the San Francisco Chronicle's SF Next project, exploring how the city will shape its future and tackle its biggest problems. Read stories by our reporters, check out interactive data breakdowns, and find our podcast archive at sfchronicle.com sfnext. If you have a solution you'd like us to cover or you know about a city that's doing something right, get in touch. Shoot an email to sfnext at sfchronicle.com or find us on Twitter at sfnext.